0: Tell me what you see, yeah. Pop the hood, tell me what you see, tell me what you see, it's the din- dynasty, diagnostic, popped it. Now your team is the topic. A and stompy as a team, they're stopper. Bowl all bowl, but no bold, they just roll in a roll that I'm told cup bowl to a cockpit. And I just hope there's no leaks. Yeah. I ain't changed my oil in weeks. Yeah. How'd I get all of these things on my seats? Yeah. Only mechanics that I trust cause it's free. Yeah. Pop the hood. Tell me what you see. It's my dynasty team and it's got a couple needs. Is it this? Is it that? Is it picks? Is it bad? Do I even have a chance? Do I got it in the bag? Let me know. Pop the hood. Tell me what you see. Pop the hood. Tell me what you see. Yeah. Pop the hood. Tell me what you see. Tell me what you see. It's the dy- dynasty. Diagnostic. Nastic. 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 Nastic.
1: Thanks for listening to the episode four of the Dynasty Diagnostic Podcast. Tune in every week for a thorough inspection of the Dynasty landscape to learn how recent news affects your roster and to gather strategic tips and tricks to give your squad that turbocharge boost it needs. Please welcome your head technicians. It's on and Sam Lane. You can find me on Twitter at FF underscore WonderKid. Sam, where can the good people find you?
2: At FF SFB8 champion. I mean, FF F, F, Stompy, at FF Stompy.
1: Or, you know, SFBA champion. I'm, I'm sure one day you're going to have that written on your gravestone. And you know what?
2: I can't even really make fun of you for it. That was ridiculous, man. Every time I walk into a room now, it's DJ Khaled's We the Best. We the Best. Oh, at least for a best. year. I mean, you have to have a theme song, like the Family Guy episode, where the
1: theme song just well, follows Peter the entire episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the same thing. I mean, you just have to have that at least until you get knocked off next year by myself when I'm in the SFB. Right.
2: All right. <laughs> just you relax over there. I'm
1: telling you. I'm telling you. I got plans. Anyway, man, it's really, really good to finally be back after the holidays and numerous technical
2: issues. So, 23, uh, 23 to be exact. 23 technical issues to be exact. <laughs> Let's go back a little bit. How are your
1: holidays? And uh, how is your new setup with all the technical issues we've had?
2: Well, my holidays were good. It was nice to get away for a while. Nice to take a break from fantasy football for a while. But we're back and Dynasty never sleeps. So I think we're all back to the grind. At least the good writers are. Um, and we're back to the grind. Uh new equipment's great except for i don't know how to run it and thus our technical issues (laughs) well i guess our technical issues started before my new equipment thus i bought the new equipment but then i don't know how to use the new equipment until today so there we go there are always going to be growing
1: pains and i'm sure there'll be more growing pains as we get there but uh you know we'll, we'll work through it eventually kind of hopefully maybe probably not Anyway, let's now dive into what we've got going on today. So, big news, uh, at least recently, has been all of the changes uh, as the coaching carousel swirls around. Uh, We've got new coaches in Tampa Bay, uh, Bruce Arians, uh, Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, we got Kingsbury out in Arizona, Vic Fangio in our beloved Denver, Uh, we've got Crazy Eyes in New York. Good Uh, lord. (laughs) Freddie Kitchens uh, actually gets the full-time gig in Cleveland. And we have, uh, I think, Cincinnati. We're still waiting on a coach uh, to be announced, but I think it's between uh, Zach Taylor and Brian Flores. So we'll see what goes on uh, down in Cincinnati. Of all these coaches, man, uh, what coach or who do you think will have the biggest
2: impact on their squad next season first and foremost let's talk about the meme that is adam gase oh we have what to. we have to what happened there whatever drugs adam
1: gase is taking uh those specifically need to to made, be made sure that they're illegal i mean legalize everything else but that that was terrifying. I think that's what Sandra Bullock saw in the movie. The Bird, that Box. Had her, Bird Box yeah. In the Bird Box movie that actually had her have to to cover her face so that she didn't kill herself after seeing it. It was oh man, uh Adam Gase. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but you were having way
2: too good of a time there. What was your favorite meme from that? Mine was the taco that with the uh titanic theme song or there was one that people didn't really latch on to but i i laughed my ass off was uh somebody saying well obviously the jets adam gaze has to be held hostage because that that's the only explanation for his neck roll twitch that he kept doing during that conference
1: (laughs) i mean honestly i missed a vast majority of those but i can just imagine it was it was outrageous uh it's it's really interesting <laughs> that i mean after his performance last season uh with the uh the dolphins going uh, to a new team being head coach all over again and not just oc that that kind of seemed weird to me
2: yeah i agree but i mean football's kind of a good old boys club of late i mean and it's it's been not, it's been refreshing to see some of these uh, football teams hire these young, um, young guns that young offensive minds, um, and get rid of the old. I I know we were all excited about Bruce Arians, but I think Cliff Kingsbury being hired is great. Um, I think Freddie Kitchen being promoted is great. I think Matt Lafleur being hired is great. I, I'm glad the NFL is moving towards that.
1: Yeah. And it looks like, uh, the vast majority of these coaches are what you would call offensive minds. Uh, the only real defensive coach, uh, that you can say has been hired so far this offseason has been Vic Fangio, uh, with the Denver Broncos. So what does that really tell us about the current state of the NFL? I mean, is it offense all day, every day? Is that how you win first and foremost, or can you still win with defense if defense is played, uh, in a way that is just far and above uh, the rest of the league, like the Seahawks uh, in their heyday, uh, the Vikings a couple years ago, and a few other uh, huge, huge defensive performances, uh, like we saw out of the uh, Chicago
2: Bears this year. Well, I I think uh, the teams are getting enamored with that offensive mind like Sean McVay. And I, they're seeing the successes there. They see the success that Matt Nagy had this season um, with the Bears. Le, I mean, he, but even last year the Titans um, hired Lafleur. Now he had some success, but not near what we thought. But that just seems to be the way that things are going. Is you need those offensive minds um, to beat those defenses. Um, because I mean, I, I think in us as Broncos fans, we know that defense ultimately wins championships but i think a lot of the times defense has to catch up or maybe it's the other way around but um i always think that defense has to catch up with the offense because the offense always creates starts creating things like you know slot receivers slot receivers in this day and age are um huge and defenses have had to shift their um schemes to try and counteract those slot receivers and the same thing with move tight ends. They've had to adjust their schemes to counteract those move tight ends as well. Well, so we're I, act- I, I, I do think that the way the league is going, it's definitely much more pass happy and you definitely need those offensive minds.
1: What well, we're actually finding in a lot of these offenses. And I think this actually translates to um, something that we really should be paying attention to uh, in the fantasy and in the dynasty specific landscape Because, like you said, the tight end is becoming more used, uh, either in the slot or out of the edge uh, in three what used to be wide receiver sets, uh, and we're actually seeing the rise of slot receivers. Uh, Wide receiver ones are starting to kind of fall off where they were in the past. Uh, You don't necessarily have those ultra-dominant wide receiver ones everywhere in the league. I mean, there used to be, you know, eight nine that you could rattle off. Now, Michael Thomas, you know, maybe. Uh, Devontae Adams, again, just because they really have only inexperienced guys to compete with. Uh, Other than that, everyone else is kind of spreading the love and and sharing the targets. Uh, We even saw uh, a little bit of Tyler Boyd being a lot more involved uh, because uh, he had AJ Green there taking uh, CB1 coverage away from him. So uh, I think that, your draft strategy really now needs to be to find stability at the wide receiver spot. I don't necessarily think that you're going to be able to secure those guys that are going to give you dominant weeks, week in, week out, without having to pay premiums like for a guy like Tyreek Hill or someone else that can just go off for those thirty points. But the vast majority of uh, dynasty teams. Uh, moving forward, I really think that you need to focus on those guys that can get you 10 to 15 points at the wide receiver spot and try to separate yourself uh, somewhere else. It's a lot easier to do at uh, tight end because of the uh, lack of talent at that position. It's a lot easier to do uh, at running back as well, uh, just because there are fewer uh, running backs than, than there are that those dominant separating uh, wide receivers. So I really think that we need to understand that As a whole, uh, the fact that slot receivers are are so much more involved and that these offenses are really trying to spread teams out really means that we need to find the guys with the most touches on the team. And oftentimes uh, that is going to be the running back position.
2: Are you converting to zero wide receiver?
1: Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say zero wide receiver. Like, I wouldn't, I mean, you, you know what I always say about Cooper Cup. I think he's a round four talent, at least healthy. But I don't know if picking a wide receiver in round four would really be what I was most comfortable with. Like, I'd almost need to uh, go running back first and then pick a, a really, really top wide receiver in the second round. Uh, I think the probably the lowest that I'd be comfortable with as a wide receiver one Uh, would be somebody like maybe Amari Cooper. Um, And outside of that, I think that you just draft wide receivers in the rounds after that, up until you find your RB2 at a value.
2: You and I disagree here, but we've talked about that in length.
1: We have, we have. And we will see, uh, because we'll be in leagues very shortly. So we'll see what strategy ultimately works in the end. All right. So let's move on let's go to what player actually stands to benefit most from a coaching change. do you think?
2: Um, I think it's one or two groups of players for me. Um, either Jameis, uh, Evans, Godwin, um, that group with Tampa Bay and Bruce Arians, uh, Bruce Arians is a vertical or he likes the vertical passing game. Um, When John, it was uh, Larry Fitzgerald, Michael Floyd, and John Brown were all healthy and playing, or I guess in the one healthy season that John Brown had, uh, all three got 90 or more targets, which tells me that Godwin's going to take a step forward. Evans may be in line for a huge season. Not that he didn't have a huge season last season with a quiet 1,500 yards, which we fail to acknowledge for some reason. Um, And I think... And it seems like Arians sticks up for his guys. Um and it seems like Winston will have now a guy behind him who will stick up for him who will believe in him. And I think that will help him take a step forward. Um whereas Dirk Cutter uh was not I, I, I don't think he believed in Jameis. I don't think he wanted Jameis. He didn't let Jameis be himself. And I think that I think that Arians will let uh Jameis let the ball fly. I don't
1: know if uh, Dirk Cutter didn't necessarily want Jameis. And like you said, I think he just, he was playing for his job. You know, he was coaching for his job. And Jameis Winston is a quarterback that's going to make mistakes Uh, for all his splash plays. He's also going to take you out of that position to win games. And because of that, I think that made Cutter nervous. Whereas, uh, like you said, Bruce Arians, I mean, he doesn't run... Uh, an air raid but he runs an offense that is based on taking those deep shots that's exactly what Jameis Winston does that's his play style and that's why his connection with Evans has been so effective uh, throughout both of their respective careers I mean the joke about Mike Evans is he doesn't have any yards after catch well yeah he doesn't have any yards after to catch because all his targets are 20 yards down the field. Like, I mean, people need to understand that that's how these two operate. And this coach is perfect for that system. Uh, you also touched on uh, Chris Godwin briefly, the wide receiver two in Bruce Arians offense has more often than not performed above average wide receiver twos in the league year in year out. And it looks like Chris Godwin's in line for that role. Now, There is some uh, speculation out there that Deshaun Jackson might be retained, which would be a terrible idea. But if we can reasonably expect Deshaun Jackson to be gone, Adam Humphreys is a free agent. If they don't bring him back, or even if they choose to bring him back, he'll be more of a wide receiver three. So I really think that wide receiver two role in Tampa Bay is definitely going to be in Chris Godwin's hands this year. And for that reason, I really see a jump from him. Uh, like we saw out of Cooper Cup, like we saw out of Tyler Boyd this year as the wide receiver two on that team, next to a dom- dominant uh, CB1 handling uh, wide receiver one in Mike Evans. So I, I really do think that uh, you need to consider taking Godwin in the top six rounds uh, for me, because I, I do think that he will be a wide receiver. He will be in the wide receiver. Uh, 24 range, I think will be closer to wide receiver 15.
2: Yeah, I agree. I I think Godwin. I mean, and this is like the typical third season jump as well. So it definitely helps to have a guy like Arians, uh, coaching him too. Definitely.
1: All right. So uh, the two guys that I think are going to benefit most from a coaching change are uh, guys that I've spoken about before: uh, Kenyon Drake and Aaron Jones. Kenyon Drake, uh, just because I think he's going to get more volume. Uh, but, you know, there is always the risk that he might just be one of those guys that uh, is excellent doing exactly what he's doing, which is getting those limited touches, because uh, we saw the same from Lamar Miller, and we expected him to really explode uh, in uh, Houston, but, I mean, we really haven't seen that. We saw some consistency from him this year, uh, but nothing to really... Uh, mean that he can be a star for us even behind an admittedly uh, struggling offensive line so we don't necessarily know uh, what we have in Kenyon Drake but we do know that he can be efficient Uh, and if that means anything uh, hopefully uh, increased volume uh, would just lead uh, to more efficient numbers from him I think you mentioned uh, he was RB14 this year on I think the 36th uh, opportunity ratio in the league, which essentially means he got the playing time of a backup running back. Uh, if he starts to get touches, if he starts to get RB1 touches, uh, he will definitely be a value contributor to your dynasty team, and he's not very old. Uh, I would keep in mind, though, uh, that he's not signed for very long. I believe this is his uh, last season under contract, uh, so this season's going to be very, very important for him. If he does well, then he has a job for a while in Miami. If he doesn't, uh, then he might struggle Uh, to find starting work on another team. Aaron Jones, on the other hand, Matt LaFleur coming to Green Bay can only mean good things for Aaron Jones. Uh, We saw uh, the volume that Derrick Henry got out in Tennessee, and while a lot of that uh, can be explained away by just having injuries uh, to Marcus Mariota, to Delaney Walker, in that offense really holding it back and and forcing it to be a little bit one-dimensional, I think Matt LaFleur is really going to lean on the running back uh, just because of the uh, positive uh, that is uh, Green Bay's offensive line. If they can take advantage of that offensive line on the ground, uh, they'll be able to allow Rodgers more time to go ahead and take his downfield shots and not try to hold him to slants like uh, his his previous uh, McCarthy did. So I really do think that those two running backs are going to be of value in this year's draft uh, and I really don't think that Aaron Jones is given the love uh, that he deserves at this point I mean honestly heads up uh, Aaron Jones or Dalvin Cook who would you take
2: um I mean Dalvin Cook's injuries scare me uh, regardless of how he ended the season he's had an ACL he had hamstring issues he's had injuries in college so I probably am taking Aaron Jones at this point? Yeah, I mean, for
1: me, uh, you'd have to. And the disparity between both of their valuations uh, this past offseason uh, was stark. I mean, it was really, really different because we felt that Dalvin Cook, uh, after four games, at least collectively, I don't necessarily know if I was part of this group, but uh, collectively, the Dynasty Community felt that he was a surefire RB1. Um, and, and we just didn't really see that this year, again, because of a lot of injuries and because uh, that uh, of his role actually being uh, diverted to a couple of different guys uh, when he, he was playing for the majority of the season, Latavius Murray specifically. Uh, so I really think that uh, they're both similar backs. They're both similar sizes. Uh, they are similar, uh, athletically speaking. I, I really think that both of those guys can be great RB2s, uh, but will probably spend a lot of their career uh, missing games, sometimes unexpectedly. So you need to have a, a good RB3, a solid RB3 behind those guys to really feel comfortable uh, with them being
2: such a value part of the team. To be fair, Dalvin Cook's four games were dominant performances as a rookie. And unfortunately he went down with an ACL, um, and then entering. So there, there was some anticipation there, uh, doing more research into those injuries. Not everybody is going to be Adrian Peterson who tears his, uh, ACL at the end of a season is able to come back, play a full season and run for over 2000 yards or run within nine yards of breaking a record. Um, So most people uh, who tear ACLs uh, have what Dalvin Cook or what happened to Dalvin Cook happens to most players is that they start dealing with soft tissue injuries and this should have been expected. Um, So that's just something to take it or keep in mind with guys that tore their ACL last year, Cooper Cup, Will Fuller, is that they may not come back right away and be effective. Um, But beyond the point, Dung Cook had a monster four-game stretch, so he went out um, after those four games, tearing his ACL. So there was a lot of anticipation coming into the season. Meanwhile, Aaron Jones was suspended and in a backfield with Ty Montgomery at the time and Jamal Murray. Now, Jamal Murray didn't prove to be effective, but... When you're when you're in a crowded backfield like that, it's hard to anticipate that he. I mean, we. I thought Aaron Jones was the better back, but you couldn't rely on him getting the touches, and we saw it with uh, with the irrational coaching from Mike McCarthy. He would not give the better back the touches. So I don't. I don't know valuation before last season is the correct way to look at that but valuation this season i think aaron jones and i think a lot of people saw it was aaron jones is up way up there in that uh top probably 15 top 16 running backs in dynasty right i think now. aaron
1: jones finishes uh,
2: as a top 12 back i think
1: if and I, he plays and that 14 be. games if, if he, he finishes stays as a top 12 yeah. back is my opinion. right
2: um and then and then the other side of this so you're you're right on kenyon drake he's been ultra efficient in his career he just hasn't gotten the chances We'll see what the new regime brings in. They don't have anybody. Frank Gore's gone. Kalen Bellage showed something a little bit at the end of the season, but not enough to overtake Kenya Drake. So we'll see what the new coach does. Um, and then with Aaron Jones and Matt LaFleur, uh, we'll, <laughs> I don't know what Matt LaFleur is because he's coming from Sean McVay's coaching tree that – Sean McVay was basically the play caller, so we don't necessarily know what Aaron Jones – or, good Lord, I am all over the place. We don't necessarily know what Matt LaFleur is as a coach. And then he had to deal with injuries to his quarterback, uh, Marcus Mariota, last season. Um, I think many of us – I know not you – thought Marcus Mariota could take a step forward under Matt LaFleur. But we saw the injuries, um, and they just didn't have the – passing personnel the pa- or uh, passing game personnel to be great and but I will give him this that he seemed to adjust his playbook towards the um strength of the Titans which was the running game and you saw that in the back half of the season especially with Derrick Henry so I'll give him that is that he knows how to adjust um so we'll just we'll see what he can do with a much better quarterback one of the best all-time quarterbacks and a better all-around running back this season.
1: Yeah, I do think he'll be a success, uh, ultimately, in Green Bay. I think, like you've said, they just have too much talent. Um, Maybe there's some deficiency at wide receiver outside of Devontae Adams, uh, just because they're really inexperienced guys. But I don't even necessarily think they need to add that to that position, uh, either in pre-agency or in the draft. I think they are just fine with uh, ESP and MVS, um, and then they have a decision to make on whether or not they want to keep uh, restricted V the agent Geronimo uh, Allison. So I think they have some talent in the wide receiver room. Like you said, I do think Lafleur has shown that even though he can be stubborn running Deion Lewis as many times as he did, ultimately he did what was best for the team, which was going with the better back, and I think the better back is clearly Aaron Jones in uh, Green Bay. Another guy that I'm really excited about... Um, just because of the coaching change, is uh, my boy Quincy Nunwa. He is going to be, uh, if he can stay healthy anyway, uh, he is going to be a real, real steal uh, this year uh, when it comes to uh, finding an undervalued wide receiver that can be uh, as valued as somebody like Tyler Lockett was this season. Uh, Quincy Anunua is a slot receiver primarily. Now, he can go on the outside as well, uh, but his primary role is that of a slot receiver. Uh, the slot receivers in Adam Gase's offenses recently have been Travis Landry. Uh, we some, saw some slot receiver from Albert Wilson uh, this year before he was injured. And both of these guys performed very well. Both of these guys were pepperable targets. And we actually already saw this in New York with the beginning of the season. Uh, that we had from Quincy Inunua and Sam Darnold. Uh, when he was in the slot, he would get 10-plus uh, targets game after game, and he would be able to actually get a lot of yards after catch with those targets. Uh, I think he can do the same thing uh, this year, especially with a coach that tends to run his offenses through that slot position. So I really think that uh, Quincy Inunua, uh will definitely be a really, really good addition to a Dynasty team this year. Also, keep in mind, you always follow the money in these conversations because they kind of tell you how a team feels about uh, their assets. Uh, Quincy Anun was just given a contract extension, a four-year, $36 million contract extension. Uh, Two of those years are essentially guaranteed because the dead cap doesn't make sense uh, to release him. So what we have is a decent chunk of funds being sent Quincy Anun's way For that role, they're also in the process, I've heard, of getting Roby Anderson back. So, if that team signs one more receiver, uh, we're going to see a lot more talent around Sam Darnold than we saw last year. And I think that's really going to show us what we have in that quarterback. I think Baker Mayfield had a great year, uh, but I also think Baker Mayfield was in the best positions in terms of personnel around him. Uh, this season. I mean, he had David Njoku. He had Jarvis Landry signed to a big deal contract. He had two effective running backs. He had Carlos Hyde as well as Nick Chubb. And then he had good complementary receivers in uh, Antonio Callaway and Rashard Higgins. Uh, There was a lot of talent around Baker, and that's not even counting that offensive line and that defense that was surprising when Denzel Ward uh, was shutting wide receiver ones down. I really think that Sam Darnold has a chance to be just as impressive uh, with a lot more talent around him and with a, uh, with a coach who really stresses uh, the short passes that uh, Darnold tended to uh, really excel with in the beginning of the year. So I think that uh, that's, that's going to be an interesting situation to watch. Okay, so who suffered the most from a poor coaching
2: situation this year? Um, what was, I mean, we just talked about him, Aaron Jones, Mike McCarthy, like we talked about, refused to give him the bulk of the carries when he first came back. Now, granted he was suspended. I don't know if that was a punishment thing, but Aaron Jones proved to be the more effective running back. Even when, right when he got back, Jamal Williams just did not look good at all this season. So, uh, when, he st- when Aaron Jones started taking over uh, as the primary back in that, in that backfield in week eight through week 14, I didn't include 15 because he got injured that game and only had, I believe, two carries. Four carries, I apologize. So weeks eight through 14, so in that seven-week time frame, he was the RB5 on the season. So that should tell you exactly who Aaron Jones is, exactly what he can do. Um, he was involved in the past game. He had um, four or more targets in every game from week nine through week 13. And then he had two and three in week eight and week 14. And he had double-digit carries that entire time. And therefore, And, and he also had double-digit fantasy points. So Mike McCarthy not playing him weeks three, four, five, and six or giving him the carries that he deserved definitely hindered Aaron Jones' start. But now I believe that he, he came back with a vengeance and I believe he is being valued correctly. Yeah, definitely. I mean,
1: i have already heard what I have to say about Aaron Jones. Uh, with that talent, with that offensive line, Uh, With that coaching situation, uh, I really don't see how how he fails this year, barring uh, injury, of course. Uh, In terms of coaches that uh, held talent back this year, uh, my pick's got to be what we saw from Russell Wilson uh, this year in Seattle due to Pete Carroll and, by extension, Brian Schottenheimer, the OC. Uh, Both of those guys really just didn't allow uh, Russell Wilson to have the volume uh, that his play demanded. Russell Wilson was one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL. uh, And not even just in the league, but in the league for a few years now on limited targets. I mean, he had ridiculous long ball stats. Uh, he was able to, uh, complete the deep pass, uh, at least once or twice a game uh, to Tyler Lockett, to David Moore, to previously unheralded receivers that uh, had breakout seasons this year. He didn't have Doug Baldwin for the vast majority of the year, but he was still able to do that. Um, But Brian Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll insisted on running over and over and over again with Chris Carson, with Rashad Penny, with Mike Davis, with whoever was not injured that particular week. And, I mean, I think they should be given credit for getting to uh, the. For at least getting as far as they did uh, and being able to be a competitive team because we really didn't think that they were going to be a competitive team with all the detractions from that defense uh, last season. But uh, I really do think that that Seattle offense could have been a lot more prolific uh, and a lot more big time had they uh, at least allowed Russell Wilson to really run that team. I think the issue was that they were scared of what the offensive line had been in years past. uh, And for that reason, uh, they didn't want to risk injury to Russell Wilson and they didn't want to uh, put the ball in his hands as often as they needed to, to really win games. So I think that uh, we need to really kind of take this uh, season from the Seahawks and understand uh, that there's really a lot more talent. There's a lot more to come in terms of volume in that passing game uh, if the coaches really see the light. And if that happens, yeah, we didn't necessarily see a lot of ta- targets to a guy like Tyler Lockett this season. Uh, but if the coaches realize how effective the passing game can be after watching the tape on this season, I think we can see a lot more targets uh, coming his way next season. Uh, a lot was said about Tyreek Hill's season. Two years ago, about him not having the targets uh, to sustain uh, that wide receiver one position that he actually uh, earned uh, last season. He earned two seasons ago. Uh, I think Tyler Lockett can be uh, more effective almost in the same way Hill can, given an increase in targets that I think he's likely to see next season. Because I really think between him and Doug Baldwin, when he's really uh, earned that
2: wide receiver one role, of the season i like you said i think you need to give them credit where credit's due but i think they the um divisional round definitely epitomized this season for the seahawks and, and russell wilson is that the they were down pretty early i believe and they just would not let russell wilson get them back in the game they tried to establish the run they couldn't establish the run they continued to try to establish the run and could not establish the run, and finally they lost. And I think just that just epitomized that coaching staff and what R- Russell Wilson had to go through this season.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we already saw uh, two years ago what Russell Wilson could be as a fancy QB. He was QB1. He can do that again. He can do that every year uh, with his combined rushing and uh, deep ball ability. They just need to give him uh, the opportunity to. So I hope we see that in 2019 um, what under the radar player has a chance as a, at a major leap in a new system next season, do you think?
2: So this is gonna go <laughs> against my, I guess, quote unquote boss at FF to statistics, uh Addison Hayes, who thinks Josh Rosen is like uh Ryan Tannehill. Um I think Ryan Tannehill takes a jump forward next season. Kingsbury's offenses at Texas Tech, so for those who don't or haven't been following Kingsbury is a offensive minded coach uh, known for his pass happy attack. Um, but his offense is yes. There you go. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. That's my guy. That's also going to be on my gravestone, by the way, I was right about Pat Mahomes <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, in his six seasons at Texas tech, he had, uh, four top 10 finishes in yards per game. And then he had in, in the last four seasons, in his last four seasons at Texas Tech, they finished as top 25 in scoring. Um, and I just think that Rosen, yes, he had an awful season, but he also had awful play calling. Um, I think Kingsbury is definitely going to be wise to use David Johnson. He's got Christian Kirk, who I'm pretty high on. Um, we'll see what happens with Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, Ricky Seals Jones, I think is an underrated tight end that just wasn't used. Um, so if they bring in another wide receiver, which I think they would be wise to do, especially in a he- wide receiver, heavy class you, I, I think Rosen growing up, especially with having another offseason with David Johnson, having an off season with Christian Kirk, another off season with Christian Kirk and having Cliff Kingsbury there. He's going to take a step forward and I, better offensive play calling system than he had with Mike McCoy and then he, and then obviously he was switched over to um Byron Leftwich which didn't help. I mean, switching a rookie over or changing offenses um with a rookie is definitely not a good idea. It's not a good idea with a veteran. And and now you you're throwing another system at a rookie in his first season. So, I just think Rosen is bound to get better cuz that was just not a good season at all.
1: Well, I mean, I'm kind of between you and Addison, I guess. No, I don't think Rosen is trash. I don't think he's garbage. Um, I think that his skill set really doesn't mesh with what the opportunity at the Arizona Cardinals uh, presents. He has a terrible offensive line out there in Arizona, and he's not a mobile quarterback. He's not a guy that uh, has escapability. He's not necessarily a guy that can get Uh, out of the pocket and create extra time for his receivers to make plays. For that reason, um, he really needs uh, everything working around him uh, to do well, to excel. Now, what he can do is he can put the ball on a dime. Uh, He can get the ball where he needs to get the ball if he has a clean pocket and if he has time. I just don't know if that's going to be... Uh, the team that he's going to be able to have that time on. And there's already been uh, some speculation about even what happens with Josh Rosen uh, this year because of some past Cliff Kingsbury comments on what he thinks about the potential number one pick in Kyler Murray in this class. Um, I think like Eli Manning, Josh Rosen is uh, just going to be a guy that really needs a lot of talent around him to succeed, but I think if given that talent, uh, he can be a, a very serviceable, serviceable quarterback. We just need to make sure uh, that we're not expecting him uh, to really be a playmaker uh, that's going to be able to uh, get his team points off schedule.
2: I tell you what, if Kyler Murray is the number one pick, something went horrendously wrong. I think that tells you a lot about this draft class. Uh, the fact that we're even having this conversation.
1: Um, so I really think that, you know, as a dynasty owner, you need to kind of understand the level of the talent in this draft class, maybe outside of wide receiver.
2: Just if it happens, I'm saying something went horrendously yeah. wrong. <laughs> it's, that's all I got for you. The, there's no QB in this class that is deserves the number one pick. There are multiple defend defenders that deserve the number one pick.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a strong defensive draft class,
2: for sure. But, um, I mean, ultimately, I, if you don't I have a quarterback, for, you can win games. If, well, they do have a quarterback. They have a good quarterback. I'm not saying. I, I'm not personally saying that. I'm just saying in general. I I personally think that the Cardinals would be wise to trade back. Um, They have a good defense. They need help on the line. They need a wide receiver. I think they should trade back for back into the first and get an extra pick in there. But that's me. Cuz I li- listen, I I get I get the rumors about Kyler Murray and trading Rosen with Cliff Kingsbury. And let's be real, Kingsbury is going to say nice things about his competition. Kyler Murray was a great. I mean, he was a Heisman winner in college. Of course he was great. Of course Cliff Kingsbury thought he was great. But they have a good quarterback that they need to develop and I'm on the Matt Waldman side of things. So if, if you guys don't know who Matt Waldman and he Waldman is, he he's the author of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio and he makes an argument that teams are too quick or too um they give up on their young quarterbacks too quickly. They don't let them develop. And that the Cardinals would be wise to keep Rosen there and develop Rosen because we know he was good in college. I think he was the most NFL ready QB coming out of college. I think a lot of people thought that, and they just need to surround him with the talent. Like you said, yes, he's not mobile and they do need help on that line, but let him develop and he will be fine. Yeah,
1: I think he can. Um, I just hope that he doesn't get, uh, he doesn't continue to get injured. Because uh, that's been another concern with Josh Rosen. I just hope that uh, they can, again, like you said, put put a wall in front of him, get some competent O-linemen, uh, get themselves uh, Colts-style O-line, and then, uh, and then we'll see the best from Josh Rosen. All right, so moving on. It is now time to do what you all are waiting for, Let's plug in the analyzer and get this week's dynasty diagnostic. Our episode four roster was submitted by Ben Freeman at Freeman with four E's. Be sure to follow Free- him on Twitter. Free, no, f- no, no, Freeman. What Sam said. Uh, one of the of next week's show. Follow the podcast at Dino Diagnostic again. That's D Y N O Diagnostic. Leave us a review on iTunes and send us your roster. All right. So this week's roster is an interesting one. It is a super flex. Half-point PPRT-E Premium League. Uh, For quarterbacks, we got Ben Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers, Lamar Jackson, and people, human beings that play quarterback called Blake Bortles, Tyron Taylor, and Jeff O'Driscoll. That's running back. We have Ezekiel Elliott. We have Dalvin Cook, like we talked about. Uh, We have Kenyon Drake, like we also discussed Uh, Austin Eckler, Giovanni Bernard, Kyle Jezik, who is a fullback, not a running back, and Rod Smith. Uh, At wide receiver, there's Devontae Adams, Sammy Watkins, Mike Williams, Julian Edelman, Golden Tate, Tyrell Williams, uh, Jameson Crowder, and DeeDee Westbrook. And at tight end, we have David Njoku, Jimmy Graham, Nick Vanette, Antonio Gates, and Ben Watson. So, quarterback... Roethlisberger, Rivers, Jackson, Bortles, Taylor, Driscoll—how do we feel about the quarterbacks on this roster again for a superflex team?
2: Um, I'm a little wary of them just because Roethlisberger and Rivers are getting old. I believe they are in their upper thirties, um, so you're getting you're getting up there in age, uh, and Roethlisberger has already discussed retirement now. Does that actually happen? Who knows? Because he said he was going to retire before last or after another year before last season, and then they took Mason Rudolph, and he got all jealous, oh, yeah, envious, just all the way, whatever. Okay, he got butt hurt and decided he was going to play three or four more years. So who knows? Uh, so yeah, I just and 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 now you've got think drama going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that might change some things here as well. So he's very iffy at this point for me. Rivers actually just had like his best season in like the last five seasons, which is kind of crazy. One of his best seasons
1: ever, actually.
2: Yeah. Like he was super efficient. I don't know how he continues that, but he, and again, he's 37. He also has 15 kids. So he's got to keep playing until he's 50, until they get all of them out of the house uh so you might just see him pull a warren moon and play until he's 55 who knows uh but yeah they're old i just don't know how much you can rely on them over the next few years um and then there's lamar jackson and lamar jackson is about as divisive as it gets in the in with quarterbacks these days i think and this is a call out to my editor at FF Statistics, Matt Williams, I think that Lamar Jackson is going to be a top 12 quarterback next season and into the future. Because not only do I does he have that Konami code, um, as Rich Rebar, uh, I guess, coined the term, he can run the ball very well, but I think he is a very underrated pocket passer coming out of college. Yes, I understand he had accuracy issues. That also had a lot to do with his wide receivers there but he proved that he can make a ton of throws. He doesn't have the strongest arm, but he has shown at times, especially this season, that he can go through his progressions. He can stand in the pocket. His first instinct, like more in college than anything, was not to run the ball, um, was to stand in the pocket and go through his progression. So I think with the proper development um, of Lamar Jackson as a passer, under, let's say, under new um, offensive coordinator Greg Roman, I think he be- can become a great passer in this league. And I'm going to throw a fire term out here that you are not going to like. I think he can be a better Michael Vick. Stop it. Just stop nope. it. Nope. I'm not mean, doing Michael it. Michael
1: Jordan, <laughs> stop it meme. Like, that's where we're getting with these levels.
2: Nope. Uh, I think okay, that.
1: so – Lamar Jackson is not a bad quarterback. Uh, Lamar Jackson uh, was an effective passer in college. I think he started out with a uh, 50-odd percent completion percentage uh, in his freshman year, and it kind of went up uh, every year thereafter. Um, We saw his limitations uh, last season. We also saw a select few good throws. Um, The one to Mark Andrews is the one that really comes to mind when trying to show uh, how he does have some skill as a passer. Uh, but Lamar Jackson, uh, he doesn't have the arm strength that made, uh, Michael Vick really able to, to be the quarterback that Michael Vick was, um, uh, Michael Vick was exciting on the ground, but what made him special was not only was he exciting on the ground, he could also throw the ball on a dime 60 yards down the field with the flick of the wrist. And I don't think we can see that from Lamar Jackson, even in college, uh, his, uh, I guess his footwork uh, in, in in the pocket wasn't, wasn't what we'd like to see. And I think that we saw those issues in the NFL as well. Another thing from Lamar Jackson, uh, for all that you can do as a quarterback positively, uh, the one way, the closest and fastest and most sure way to the bench is turning the ball over. And Lamar Jackson has a real problem with fumbles. Uh, if he can correct that, that's one thing. If he can't correct that, I think that we're going to see a very short-lived role as the starting quarterback on that team. So I really think that he needs uh, to work on a lot before we can start locking him in as a top 12 QB. But like you said, he has the Konami code. He has those feet. He has that rushing ability. Um, The way that quarterback scoring is in fantasy football, he's going to continue to be a valued asset. And in the Superflex League, he's even more valued because uh, of that. Abilities to run if you can put it all together. He can be cam Newton. Uh, he can be a a guy that uh, Is going to be able to get those deep shots, but also going to be able to Basically be his team's goal line back Uh, But I think he has a long way to go before we see that So I don't know if i'm as sold as him or as you as a uh, a qb12 next year Book it We shall see now, I also disagree with you with Philip Rivers. Uh, I think Philip Rivers is in a fantastic situation for continued success. Uh, just to go over some of his numbers uh, last season, he had a 67.9 completion percentage. Uh, that was second uh, in his entire career. He had a, a 7.9 dot. He had uh, 4,244 yards through the air, uh, and he actually had a Pacer rating. Uh, which is Josh Hermsmeyer's metric that measures QB efficiency of 1.07, which was, again, the highest mark of his career. Um, And he did this without uh, one of his main targets from last year, uh, Hunter Henry, and injuries to Melvin Gordon uh, this year. Phillip Rivers is on a great team. He has a great offensive line. He has a great running back in Melvin Gordon that also is a dual threat, so he's going to be able to catch passes as well. Uh, He has a wide receiver one. In Keenan Allen, uh, that we've all seen can be a world-beating wide receiver on his day. Mike Williams uh, kind of showed out a little bit this year. And even if they lose Tyrell Williams, uh, they have enough requisite talent in that uh, on that team to really uh, just make life a little bit easier for Phillip uh, as he uh, goes to the twilight of his career. Um, now, of course, I don't think he's good for another five seasons, Uh, But I think uh, he, along with Lamar Jackson long-term, will be able uh, to be valued contributors for your team for at least the next three seasons or so. Uh, After that, I do think that you would need to add to this group. But uh, backing them up, Bortles, Taylor, Driscoll, those are all absolute zeros to me. So for this particular QB group, I do think that uh, we do need one more addition to this group just because... I don't necessarily believe in Big Ben uh, long term, especially if AB, AB leaves, uh, which is another thing that we can actually talk about.
2: Um, just to come back on Philip Rivers, he had his lowest passing attempts on the season. It seems like the Chargers might be shifting their uh, offensive scheme a little bit towards the run. And they should because they have Melvin Gordon. They have Austin Eckler. They have a pair. And really, they have Justin Jackson. So they have three Running backs that are extremely capable that they can use um so and and necessary i mean and we already talked about it, he had one of the best seasons of his career, so that means that he was very efficient last season. You might see a little bit of regression i just i i'm okay with having him for a couple of years uh but I would be looking at contingencies because of the age of Roethlisberger and Rivers, and I think you're right. This definitely you need a a younger quarterback coming in behind these two, and and to pair with Jackson in the after a couple. Would seasons. you look for a quarterback in this draft class? <sighs> I mean, Haskins is okay. Uh, Murray is good. I mean, both of those are good good QBs, but. I would wait until the following draft class because that draft class is going to be low. That's what I wanted you to say. <laughs> low. That's what I was waiting for. Um, now, what I would do is look at somebody like Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford, to buy low on. Because I think Matthew Stafford had a an anomaly of a year, and he's only thirty years old. Previously to that, I think in like five of six seasons, he had finished as a top 10 QB. That would be a great pairing because you have a solid floor there as a QB. Um, the same with Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins was a QB nine. Now he had a kind of a pour into the season. But I mean, if you can buy him low, he's got weapons around him. So I'd be looking at buying somebody low like that. That, And I and I, I think we say young for quarterbacks and it's misinterpreted young for quarterbacks is a little bit different than the other um position groups so the guys that are around 30 they probably still have a good five plus years a quarterback
1: that's 30 years old is technically in their prime
2: right so i i would be trading for those by low kind of guys the guys that didn't have great seasons that were kind of anomalous um so stafford and cousins are two that i would be targeting for this group
1: no, I like Stafford and Cousins too, but I do think that the same thing that you said about Phillip Rivers having fewer fa- pass attempts also applies to those two. We saw Kirk Cousins kind of take a step back when Dalvin Cook was a little bit more healthy and in the lineup and getting more carries. Uh, we also saw uh, that <clears throat> the same thing uh, happened to Matthew Stafford when on Johnson uh, was able to run things until his injury as well. Uh, so I do think both of these... Uh, offenses are looking to be more balanced down the line. So I don't think that we're going to see real, you know, peak performances from these QBs, but an N2 QB, a top 10 QB, a top 10 QB is a valued commodity. And I think both of these guys can finish around maybe a guy like Dak Prescott in the top 12 QBs Mm -hmm. year over year. And that's
2: basically all you want.
1: in in And, And really
2: you're pairing them with a potential top 5 QB and Lamar Jackson I'm, and I say I say potential relax so that's, that's I and all I'm not saying will, next all season all the goodwill that on. you
1: built about Patrick Mahomes this year is going to be completely no. destroyed
2: I am Lamar not Miller, saying next Jackson. season I am not saying next season <laughs> I am saying he has the potential to be a top 5 back in his or a quarterback in his career with with good development. We'll see he also I'm not saying next season
1: he also has the potential Potential of being in a body bag after one big hit next season.
2: So we shall Isn't that see. just true about all quarterbacks though?
1: It, it's a little more like, true except about for like quarterbacks Eli, that run 20 times a game.
2: No. Okay. That was, <laughs> hold on. That was not on 15 him. times a game. That was on Morning Wig. Who, who schemes a quarterback to run 27 times? That was crazy. That was absolutely nuts. It was fun to watch a quarterback all right. running back. O- we're 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 going nowhere with this. Let's go on to quarter
1: or running backs. All back right. Here. So we got Ezekiel Elliott. We got Dalvin Cook, Kenyon Drake, Austin Eckler, Giovanni Bernard, fullback, and Rod Smith.
2: All right. Don't undersell <laughs> Kyle Eusebeck. <laughs> he catches the ball sometimes. Sometimes. Jeez. Yeah. When they have no receivers. When Pierre Garcon is
1: on IR. When they have injuries to Dante Pettis. When Kendrick Bourne is the second leading receiver on that team after George Kittle. Yeah, that's when Kyle Jasic gets targets. Relax. <laughs> anyway, all right. <laughs> uh these guys are great. I mean, you 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 have Zeke Elliott. The only issue with Zeke has ever been uh his lack of opportunity in the passing game and we saw clearly it was lack of opportunity. The moment that he was actually fed targets, he was able to capitalize on those targets and be a
2: more effective running back. Yeah, um, I I don't think you're going to go wrong with the top five backs. He got involved in the passing game finally this season. I just, you're you're not going to go wrong here. You can call him top five. I don't think you're going to go wrong with picking CMC number one, Gurley number one, Kamara number one. Um, yeah, I mean, like, here's the thing with Zeke. I mean, he had the
1: fifth most targets at the RB position. Think about that. that. That was his bugaboo that was why you you didn't necessarily want to target zeke quote unquote this year uh zeke had the most rushing yards he has 1435 rushing yards uh his uh run blocking efficiency uh actually was really poor uh he didn't have the line that he uh had in recent seasons yet he still avoided uh, evaded the second most tackles uh, still had the number one breakaway runs uh he still had the third most yards created uh He had the 8th highest catch rate. Zeke is an all-purpose back and needs to be treated as such. After Saquon Barkley and Todd Gurley, anyone of Zeke, Kamara, and CMC, I think, need to be valued pretty much equally. And honestly, given those three, I might choose Zeke just because I think Zeke might be assured of more volume on the ground for what that's worth. But you really can't go wrong, like you said, with any of those guys in the top five.
2: Right, um, I mean, like I'm I'm partial to Kamara, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight you on anybody there, uh, any of those top five. Because, and you know what, you know what's funny is we always hear about zero wide receiver because running backs always get hurt, but those top five that we just talked about finished top five on the season. So, <laughs> so I'm not saying zero wide receiver is wrong. I'm just saying for this season, it it wasn't the best and we and we understand. We I I think we completely understand why zero wide receiver works. Um running backs get hurt much more often than wide receivers, but this season you wanted one of those top wide receivers. But that's that's a whole other tangent. Um let's go on to Cook. We've already talked about Cook. I I'm wary of his injuries, but like we said, he came on at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean Now I got to find. Him. Hold on. was uh, definitely a value contributor when he was healthy. Uh, the only issue was was him not really being healthy. My my only concern with Alvin Cook was uh, he, at least some games, split bowl line carries with Latavius Murray. Now, I don't know if Murray's going to be back uh, this season. Uh, I do think he's a free agent, uh, or at least only has one more year left on his contract uh, this particular season. Um, but <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see how they use – uh, two healthy backs uh, considering that one year Murray was hurt one year Cook was hurt. Uh, and they, they both kind of had to, to split that role uh, when neither of them was, was really a hundred percent. So it'd be interesting to see what happens next year with both of those guys at a hundred percent and maybe a step back from
2: Kirk cousins that causes them to run the ball a little bit more. Um. In 12 of cook's 15 games played in the nfl he has produced double digit fantasy points so that just kind of tells you how effective he is and and you're you're right i mean he dealt with injuries and i've already talked about how acl um people recovering from an acl injury uh deal with soft tissue injuries,
1: compensation
2: injuries all the time right so um you you, i think you saw that at the beginning of the season but from week nine on he was completely I, I shouldn't say completely healthy, but he was healthy and he only had one game in single digit points, but he was very active. He had um, the last four games. He had double digit carries five of the last six. He had double digit carries um, and he was very involved in the the passing game. So I think you can feel a little bit more confident with Cook going into next season because he's not coming off of injuries and he could potentially be a top 12 back next season.
1: Uh, I think he has all the talent to do. I mean, again, the whole point of uh, having a quality running back in a PPR or even half PPR is just to have a running back that's going to be uh, valued and used in all phases of the game. And Dalvin Cook is one of those guys. Uh, he's a three down back. Uh, he can be used just as effectively on first and second down as he is as a receiver on third down. So I really do think that there's a lot of value to that. Uh, I just think that you do need some stability behind him uh, just because, you know, at this point we kind of expect uh, Dalvin Cook to miss a couple of games uh, every season. Uh, now, Kenyon and Drake behind him. Now, that's not necessarily the guy that I would want behind a Dalvin Cook, but I have already mentioned that I, I do like what we saw at a Kenny and Drake this year. I didn't go over these uh, last time, but some surprising numbers about Kenyon and Drake. He actually had the 7th highest juke rate in the NFL last season. He had the 13th most evaded tackles. He had 5.8 yards per touch, which actually ranked 10th in the league. And again, he did this uh, with only the 34th rank opportunity share, uh, meaning he wasn't even really used as a starting RB. Uh, he had uh, <clears throat> 1.52 yards per carry, which was 20th in the league. Uh, and he was running uh, most of the time uh, into about six and a half defenders in the box, which isn't huge number, but I mean it shows you that he can be effective uh, even with uh, an extra guy in the box uh, every now and then. I think the issue with uh, Kenny and Drake and why Adam Gase didn't necessarily want to lean on him as a workhorse was uh, he wasn't great at getting yards. In situations where the offensive line was outnumbered, uh, he had some trouble getting yards on every play. There were a lot of negative, uh, I guess, gains or negative rushes uh, in his repertoire. But when he hit it, I mean, he was really able to make explosive plays. So I think uh, given increased volume, if he can stay healthy uh, and he's not splitting touches with uh, Frank Gore, I really do think that he can be uh, another all-purpose back just because of his work in the passing game. He actually uh, had 477 receiving yards, uh, which actually ranked 12th uh, amongst running backs. And he had 53 receptions, which ranked 13th. So this is a guy who can get it done in all phases.
2: Uh, We just need to see him fed. Yeah. And I think Drake is actually a pretty good pairing with Ezekiel Elliott because and, and I think we may have talked about this before, but you need to pair boom bust guys with those um, high floor guys. And Ezekiel Elliott, while he is, he can absolutely boom. He's still got a high floor because he's got that volume. And so you don't have to be afraid of using Drake because you can always rely on Zeke to give you those 15 plus point games. And then every once in a while, um, every one or two games, uh, Kenyon Drake will give you that twenty-plus point game, and then and then on top of that, you also have Cook. So you have, assuming assuming that uh, Dalvin Cook continues to get those double-digit carries, Zeke continues to get the fifteen-plus carries, you have two guys that can mitigate a bust game from Kenyon Drake. So I actually think that he is a good RB three with these two because he is that boom bust to their high floor type um, player. Admittedly, uh, all things considered, uh, with the addition of Eckler,
1: Gio, uh, to this group, I really do think that this is the strongest uh, position group on this team. Uh, But we will now move on to wide receiver. Uh, Now, wide receiver, uh, I'm a little bit worried about. Obviously, we have Devontae Adams, uh, so that is an elite uh, wide receiver asset. He's young enough to still be an elite dynasty asset. Uh, He's the number one receiver on an Aaron Rodgers team, which is great. Uh, he also doesn't have much competition. Doesn't really, isn't really in danger of having much competition because we know that Aaron Rodgers can really support two top ten receivers if given the opportunity. Uh, so I think Devontae Adams is a great wide receiver. One, however, behind him, uh, I see nothing uh, but shadow. Really, I, I see nothing but you know what could be and, and not necessarily what is in Watkins, Williams, Edelman's hate, uh, Tyrell Williams, Crowder, and Westbrook. I see a lot of guys that I want. Uh, but not necessarily as I want as a wide receiver, two. Maybe I want them as a wide receiver, three wide receiver, four type instead.
2: Yeah, it's this wide receiver um, group outside of Devontae Adams is full of question marks. Like we all know that what Watkins can be for that one season, but he's never healthy. Uh, we have seen Mike Williams kind of take a step forward. He's tied for fifth in touchdowns um, or receiving touchdowns this season, but we don't necessarily know if he can step in, or, or he can take most of the Tyrell Williams role because Tyrell Williams is more than likely gone. Plus he is going to be dealing with Hunter Henry next season. And we know that the chargers and specifically Phillip rivers likes to use the tight end in the red zone. So does that take away some of his touchdown upside? Um, and then like Edelman, Edelman's old. You need to. You probably need to trade him away as soon as possible for whatever. I don't you think can you get. can. I think
1: at this point you just have to ride with the value that you get. And,
2: and and maybe that is maybe maybe he plays another two seasons and with Brady and somehow still is that wide receiver one for him that PPR, um, va- or that that valuable PPR wide receiver, Tate. Again, we don't know where he's going. He's a free agent this season. If the Eagles bring him back, he's just got no value because he's competing with. Four other, or three, at least three other wide receivers on that team that can pat, catch the ball, plus the two tight ends. Um, I'll, I'll skip over Tyrell Williams because I, I want to go on a little <laughs> bit of a, not a rant, but we'll talk about Tyrell Williams here. He, if you've listened to past episodes, you know I like Tyrell Williams. Um, Jamison Crowder, sounds like they're trying the the Redskins are trying to bring him back. I think we were all pretty high or not all but a lot of us were pretty high on Crowder going into the season with Alex Smith as captain checkdown that didn't really work out for us um, and then DD Westbrook DD Westbrook actually showed up this season and he looked really good. he is the wide receiver one for all intents and purposes on that really? team. I don't know what that means for the Jaguars because they're a run first team and they don't really have a quarterback right now. So, uh, but he's a good PPR wide receiver. Now he's not your, he's probably not even a wide receiver three at this point, but if he's your wide receiver four, I'd feel pretty good about it. Um, In terms of Tyrell Williams. So I love Tyrell Williams. He's been one of the most efficient receivers in the league since he came in. We know he can be a wide receiver one or take the wide receiver one load. We know that from 2016 when Keenan Allen went down with an ACL injury.
1: 1,007.
2: Yep, he had over 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, But like I said, he's just been efficient his entire career. Um, If you go to ffstatistics.com, go to the season data, look at the opportunity data, he's outperformed his target rank every season. And in and, and three of the four seasons he's been in the league, he's outperformed it by double digits. So he's finished double digits higher at wide receiver than he got in terms of his opportunity. And then his points per opportunity um, are up there with guys like Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins. So he's always been efficient. He just doesn't get the targets unless the guy ahead of him goes down. So I... I like Tyrell Williams more for the value than anything. I think you can get him right now for probably mid to late second, maybe even a third. I doubt it, but mid to late second. If you can get him for a mid to late second. And then if and when he signs with like a team, let's say, um, with the New York Jets, or maybe he could be uh, the wide receiver two across from T.Y. Hilton on the Indianapolis Colts. If you see a a value bump from that, which Dynasty you, – you generally do because most Dynasty players just get really excited about free agency and what can be. So, if you see that value bump, let's say, into a late first, I'm selling Tyrell Williams all day. I love I Tyrell first. Williams. but Ty I, Williams? I, I I'm i just saying. If you can <laughs> see – and you know that it can happen because look at what happened with Jarek McKinnon. He was probably worth a late or an early third at the most. People are
1: going crazy about Jarek McKinnon.
2: I know get I get though. it. I get it. And I'm not but I'm not even proposing that big of a bump. Let's say you can get him for a mid-round a mid-second and he somehow jumps to a late first because he went to or even the 49ers. What what if what if he goes to the 49ers? Or what it, or or he goes to like I said the Colts as the wide receiver too there. I think that would be if the ideal s- situation right, for him. Right. And I I agree. But if you see that bump, I think you need to keep him around for that value. So you wait until free agency to to sell Tyrell Williams. I think that's your best option with him.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the same thing that you said about these receivers. Uh, Sammy Watkins, uh, he actually had a relatively efficient uh, 2018 season. Uh, He was good when he was playing. He was just hurt. uh, Like you saw, uh, or like you said from Mike Williams, Um, I mean, we saw him be really effective in the red zone, uh, but what is his red zone role next year with Uh, Both a healthy Melvin Gordon all season, hopefully, as well as a healthy Hunter Henry. Julian Edelman you can't do much with. Uh, Golden Tate probably doesn't have much value, uh, but like Tyrell Williams, I think Golden Tate is another wide receiver that really could get a value bump. And it could be a worthwhile value bump. You might even want to consider keeping him, uh, depending on what team that he goes to. But both Tate and Tyrell Williams are 100% landing spot dependent to me. Uh, I really do think that both of those guys can have wide receiver two value as soon as next season. I think they could also have wide receiver four value if they find themselves on the wrong team. It really just depends what happens moving forward. Golden Tate has a little bit of the age concern. I think he's uh, 30, uh, whereas Tyrell Williams, I think, is, is only 27. So at least you have a few years out of him, Jameson Crowder, I never really rated uh, as a top receiver. I do think that he can be an effective slot receiver. I think if he goes to a team that uses the slot receiver role, he'd be great. Uh, for example, if he were to somehow sign with the Patriots, I think Jameson Crowder would be an incredible talent. Um, but I really just don't see how it works out for him in uh, Washington, and they're actually already in the process of of working out a contract extension with Jameson Crowder. Uh, So depending on what rookie quarterback they get, it'll be the Crowder-Reed, possibly Thompson show, maybe with Darius Geis back there. Uh, So I really do think that team is going to shift to a run-focused team as soon as they get uh, Darius Geis in-house. Didi Westbrook is another receiver that I think is in line for a big jump because I think uh, he didn't necessarily have the boon of being a sure wide receiver two on his team. Uh, There was no one really to take cornerback one coverage, uh, and there was no one really uh, to limit the amount of exposure uh, that Westbrook actually had to the defense, and he was still able to produce in a limited role on, like you said, a run for his team. Once they get a quarterback, and there's actually a lot of speculation that Nick Foles could potentially go to Jacksonville, Uh, if not, they're going to draft a quarterback. The benching of Blake Bortles essentially says that experiment is over, uh, so we know that somebody is going there, and that team as a whole actually is pretty good. Uh, That offensive line dealt with a lot of injuries last season, uh, but healthy – Uh, with Andrew Norwell specifically, that offensive line should be a lot better than we saw last season. Lennon Fournette, if he can stay healthy, should be a lot better. And I think we also need to talk about Lennon Fournette and Dalvin Cook and how mismanaged that they were by their own team's medical staffs this year. I think that really contributed to their lack of being able to actually get a lot of field time this year just because they were put out there too early. Uh, Given a full year, or a full offseason to heal up and, and kind of get right, I do think both of those guys can come back a lot stronger than we did this year. And that would mean that you have a quarterback uh, in basically ideal situation outside of just having dominant targets. You're going to have a good offensive line, a good running game. Uh, and I think we should really see an improved offense out of Jacksonville next year. When that happens, the guy most likely going to be targeted is going to be D.D. Westbrook just because he has that slot role um, already on lock and was so effective with that slot role. Uh, so, again, like I see a lot of wide receiver three, four pieces on this team, a lot of wide receiver four pieces, I guess, uh, but you need some talent here. I mean, uh, you need a Tyler Boyd, you need a Cooper Cup, you need a Will Fuller, you need to go find undervalued guys that maybe are injured, uh, that didn't necessarily perform and are at the top of people's lists uh, this season. Uh, find them uh, to get them on your team to really make this team competitive right now because I think it has some of the pieces uh, that you need to get there. uh, But this wide receiver core is really going to hold this team back from competing uh, until that situation is fixed. And I think you need at least one strong and one median level addition uh, to make that group feared.
2: I agree. Um, And I'm probably trading my 2019 picks if I can to get that wide receiver uh, we've talked about how wide receivers generally take time to develop. Yes, you do have those hits first season in their first season every once in a while, but then you also have guys like Tyler Boyd that take or take until their third year to develop into a productive wide receiver. So I'm taking that 2019 first, and I'm trading for somebody like uh, Robert Woods, uh, who probably is going to be – <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna love this just because you're a Cooper Cup guy. He's probably going to be the wide receiver one on the Rams for at least the first half of that season. I will until say that, Cooper Cups until the first, cap, the until, first half. In, until, two per, <laughs> until Cooper Cup comes back fully healthy. Robert Woods is gonna be the guy that's leaned on in that pass game. And you can definitely get him for a mid to late first right now. And he would be a perfect guy to pair with Adams. So you'd have two legitimate and, and he fin- mind you, he finishes a top 10 wide receiver this season. Do you not think the
1: value that you'd have to give to get a Robert Woods would exceed the 2019 first, at least a late 2019 first at this point, though? That, that's my issue with him. I think he's a really, really good player. I think <laughs> all three of them are quality wide receiver twos. All three of them I'd have no problem owning. I do see some issues with, with uh, Robert Woods moving forward contract-wise, but that's besides the point. I just think that whatever you'd have to pay to get any of them far outpaces their actual worth just because they're on such a popular team, on such an offensive minded three wide receiver set team that everybody wants a part of. So that's my worry. Now, Robert Woods' situation, I think, is is interesting because I think he'll really get off to a strong start next year. And then maybe have to share a little bit more when Cooper Cup gets back in. So I think if you were to get him now, you might be able to sell him at a profit mid-season next year. But I just don't know if I'd be willing to spend what it takes to get any any of those guys
2: right now. See, I I think Robert Woods is completely undervalued. I would say at at the most, you would have to pay him mid-first, which I'm more than willing to do. Dude's only 26 years old. He's had back-to-back top 18 seasons. He was a top 10 this season. Um, and yes, I mean, his contract situations, something you have to consider. But I think if he is, I, he's shown that he can be a wide receiver one in this league. And I think even moving forward, if you, even if he goes to another team, and mind you, as long as it's not a team like the Buffalo Bills that he played on before and they actually have an effective offense, I still think he's got value. So if you can pay a mid-first for Robert Woods, and I think that's what he's being valued right now. If somebody offered more you a mid-first, first. would
1: you sell Robert Woods, though? I,
2: mean, I, really. I wouldn't. Hold on. Hold on. you. But you know how much I like Robert Woods.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I think that's I'm how most that,
2: people value him is, is what I'm saying. I don't know if I agree with that. I think overall that Robert Woods is being valued probably around a mid-first. And if you can get him for a mid-first, I'd be more than willing to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, you
1: can't deny what he did this season. And honestly, as long as he's on the Rams, there's no reason for that to change. Uh, I don't know if he's a wide receiver one uh, by himself uh, on another team with without another strong wide receiver to really pull coverage away, but... That's neither here nor there yet. I do think Robert Woods would be a great addition to this team, and that would definitely solidify your wide receiver two role. Um, at that point, I don't know if I still would be comfortable, just because I think I would want one more guy, uh, but you would have a much more solid wide receiver group and actually be able to compete week to week uh, with most teams between uh, Woods, Adams, and either Watkins, Williams, or Edelman uh on
2: in that roster spot in that wide receiver three
1: roster spot for that given game.
2: And Um, I, I hold on. I, so I'd almost be willing to sell Roethlisberger as well. I'm okay. in super flex only having two quarterbacks and then just those bye weeks, then you put in another flex in there. And I think you have enough, like in terms of running backs and it, and it really depends on what your lineup requirements are. Um, which, that's another note, um, when you guys are submitting lineups, let us know what your lineup requirements are each week, so because we, that, that kind of dictates how good these uh, rosters are as well. But I would be willing, coming off of a, a pretty good season, I would be willing to move Roethlisberger to Superflex to get another wide receiver, or a tight end, like we'll talk about here. So.
1: Yeah, that'll actually uh, transition us into our tight ends. Uh, we have David Njoku, uh, Jimmy Graham, Nick Vanette, Antonio Gates, and Ben Watson. So to me, we have David Njoku and no one else on this team. And old. David <laughs> Njoku and assisted living. Uh, yeah, uh, we have some issues here. Uh, David Njoku is a good tight end. Uh, I, I wholeheartedly believe that. I and mean, he's ridiculously athletic. Uh, he can play in line. He can play out. Uh, he can... Uh, Playing the slot, he doesn't necessarily need to compete with a dominant wide receiver one on that team. A lot of signs are pointing in the right direction uh, for David Njoku. He's tied to Baker Mayfield. But I don't know if he's here yet. And I think you really need uh, somebody uh, to to come in and kind of solidify the spot. Because your running back group is so good and so young, you really need to take advantage of that while you have such a dominant uh, running back group with Zeke. Uh, Cook, and the rest of them. Uh, I would be looking for somebody like a Trey Burton. Uh, You know, somebody that you don't have to spend all of your picks or all of your assets on, but you can still get rather reasonably that you can expect a top five performance out of every couple of weeks or so. Uh, I think just a veteran uh, that's going to be able to get you that consistency while David Njoku develops, not saying that, that Trey Burton is consistent, I understand, but at least gets you uh, you know, a top 10, top 8 points every week. Uh, while David Njoku uh, takes some time to uh, really acclimate with uh, the NFL, I also would expect uh, Cleveland, for all the talent they have on the wide receiver side of things, to add another uh, to that group. Uh, so I think there might be some increased target competition down the line. But I, I really do think that uh, there needs to be an addition to this position group as well, uh, just to make sure that you're not outward relying on a young tight end uh, quite yet. Um, and then to go back to what you were saying about Roethlisberger, Rivers, and Jackson, of the three, Roethlisberger would definitely be the one uh, that I'd sell. But I am very uncomfortable with not having three quarterbacks in in a super flex, uh, just because anything can happen with an injury, and then where are you really at with QB? Uh, so, for me, uh, yeah, I would do the same thing that Sam said. I would sell that 2019 first, uh, looking for a wide receiver. If you have to pair that with another, you know, tertiary, tertiary asset, okay. Uh, but With that second, third, and fourth round picks, I'd be looking to spend those at tight end. I think this is one of those draft classes that is very specific to need. If you need wide receivers, this is the draft class for you. If you need a tight end, this is the draft class for you. But you have to be willing to wait on those positions. And this team is positioned uh, right now to be a contender with, I would say, about two additions. If you can get use those picks to get guys that are going to help you win now as opposed to having to wait for that talent to develop three years from now, uh, I think that's going to do you a lot better than waiting just because you already have the young RBs in place and you want to be able to be competing for championships while your running backs are young. Uh, otherwise, it's just going to be a long road to the top because as we talked about earlier, running backs are so expensive. So I think that you set out this draft that you trade your your pick assets, at least in the 2019 year, for a wide receiver, for a tight end. Uh, Maybe try to get a quarterback in the later rounds or uh, get a quarterback via trade with uh, maybe one of your wide receivers that could break out like uh, Mike or Tyrell Williams and then kind of see where you can go with that. But overall, I think this is a... Pretty solid team that just needs a few very specialized tweaks uh, to really get it uh, competing in the playoffs, year in, year
2: out, uh, possibly for championships. Um, On tight end, I am a little bit higher on Najoku than you are. Uh, I think he took a step forward from his rookie to his sophomore season. I think he'll take one more step forward, especially working with Baker Mayfield in the offseason. And with Freddie Kitchens and with um uh Todd Monkin. Uh and I think he could take a step forward. I mean he was he was the tight end nine last season. Um he was pretty incons inconsistent, but I think one more season, I think he's he's up there and could take a step. I'm not saying that this is going to happen. I'm just saying he could take this step into Top five territory next season.
1: I expect him to be a top five tight end long term. I do. I, I'm that high on him. I just don't know yeah. how quickly that's going to happen.
2: Well, and I think with uh, another year of development for Baker, I think that can happen because it didn't seem like the Browns had a consistent pass catcher down the stretch there, and I think Najoku could be that for um Baker. And we know from Baker's college. Um, Mark Andrews. Tape and, and profile. He he used his tight end, so I I can see him taking that step forward into top five next season. Um, and then yeah, I the, I'm a little bit less optimistic about this team just because there are so many question marks on the wide receiver core. There's there are a lot of question marks, and I think you do need a second tight end. Tight end premium. You I think you need a second uh, tight end, yeah, much like you need. Tight end premium. And and once I mean and and much like Superflex with tight end premium you need to have that second tight end, so, and I always go back to Jack Doyle I I get it Eric Ebron's there but Jack Doyle when he was healthy this last season was a top ten tight end, with Andrew Luck that's a passing team they're they're a good offense. Jack Doyle will be used. He was targeted, like I believe, an average of seven times per game when he was playing. Here's the thing with that, though. Indianapolis, like we have both
1: mentioned, needs a wide receiver too, right? I mean, Dontrell Inman is decent, but we would figure that they bring somebody in. they bring somebody in, then they all of a sudden have an extra target in that offense that might pull away from one of the tight ends. And if you're going to take targets away from one of those tight ends— I don't think Eric Ebron's end zone targets are going anywhere. Where do those targets well, come but, from? Well, but
2: I mean, his his efficiency, though, was absolutely through the roof. So I think his efficiency drops. I, I just, I mean, I think you said it, though, is that even if he drops, let's just say he drops two targets a game. Let's say he's only getting five. I'm still fine in tight end premium of getting, let's say, four receptions for 40 yards. Yeah. Because it's just. That's what tight end premium is, is it, it puts a, a premium, believe it or not, on tight ends. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think that you do need to sell the picks for 2019. I do not like this draft class a lot. And it's because I don't like taking rookie wide receivers. Exactly. I, we need to talk about that. I, 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 just, I just never have. Um and it's because most of them take at least a year to develop in the league. There's sunk costs.
1: There's sunk costs for at least the first like you said, two to three seasons while they're in the league. And for that reason, when you when you draft a wide wide receiver, you spend more on that wide receiver than that wide receiver will take to acquire for at least two to three seasons. When you spend on a running back, when you spend a first round draft pick, somebody wants a running back from you, they're you're getting a first round draft pick plus. For that running back, especially if they're producing even to the level that Kerryon Johnson was producing earlier this season, which again isn't great, but was a very good running back. Uh, Running backs tend to hit uh, in the year that they actually get drafted. Uh, In fact, their prime uh, is at about 24, that's when it starts. So when they get drafted, uh, they tend to acclimate to the NFL a lot more quickly than wide receivers do. And for that reason, they produce faster. And as soon as you can get that production, you have an asset you can then flip for wherever it is that you actually need. As a wide rec- If you draft a wide receiver, if you don't necessarily need a wide receiver, it's going to be a lot harder to move that asset down the line. So I think this draft is great for those teams that already are set at all positions and just need that extra youth on their team. This is the draft class that you want because you can just stockpile that talent, that wide receiver and just hope one of them hits and only have to spend costs to get them. Uh, but if you're actually building a team, if you're rebuilding like this roster would be doing, yes, definitely. You need proven talent that is already shown to do it. Uh, that will then give you some time to take advantage of where you're strongest at running back.
2: Right. So, and, and I think you need a productive, uh, a productive wide receiver now, and you can't wait I do think that you can be competitive next season with an at least a one more wide receiver and if you shift those receivers down and one of those guys hits say Watkins Mike Williams Tyrell Williams Westbrook then you have three legitimate wide receivers and then you're fine so yeah you you need to be trading those picks for a legitimate product or legitimately productive like top 24 wide receiver this season who would be your number one receiver to target? Robert Woods. Okay. okay. I already told you that. You, you did. Come on. You did. Uh,
1: and then, of course, you've heard it a million times, my top wide receiver to target again, Tyler Boyd, Cooper Cup, uh, and then, if you must, Will Fuller. Uh, again, just because I think you can get these guys
2: way under what their true value is right now just because of injuries at the end of the season. Us. My so here's my here's my issue with that though, is that I think Cup and Fuller struggle at the beginning of the season. So I think you could pro you might be able be able to even buy them cheaper towards like let's say after the first four games when they don't perform towards the middle of the season when when people have given up on them because they're they're dealing with injuries. Yeah, but by that time you're out of the playoffs. I mean, well, by so I think either way if they're underperforming you're still out of the playoffs, right? Yeah. So I think but you I need think to I think you need to buy. Is,
1: an underperforming cup is still 10 points a game. You know, and that I think still oh, is what you need. Well, that's 12.
2: not bias. <laughs> that's not bias at all.
1: <laughs> hey man. He was a top 15 receiver per game I, this season. I like, it. I don't know I, what else to tell people. I'm sorry it's happening. It is. He's the Angel of Death on the player profiler oh site. Like, just,
0: the, uh, there's an
1: aura around just, him. Ugh.
0: Ugh.
1: <laughs> All right. Um, but that is it this week for our podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure to follow your head technicians on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at ff underscore wonderkid. Find Sam at ff Stompy. And everywhere on every podcast, all the time, because that's what he does. Uh, you can find my work at Fantrax HQ and at Fantasy Pros. You can follow what Sam's working on at FF Statistics, F3 Pod, IDP Guys. Uh, contact me for a full Dynasty Diagnostic Report. I actually posted one of those uh, on the podcast feed today, so you can take a look at one of those if you want one. And thank you for making it to the Di- Dynasty Diagnostic Service Center today. Uh, Be sure to keep up with all your scheduled maintenance and catch us next time to ensure quality performance. Uh, Be sure to stay tuned for FF Man Buns. Full song. It's pure fire. Hashtag pop the hood. See you on your next visit.
0: Pop the hood. Tell me what you see. Pop the hood. Tell me what you see. Pop the hood, tell me what you see Tell me what you see, it's the dynamic dynasty nah. Pop the hood, tell me what you see nah. Pop the hood, tell me what you see Yeah, Pop the hood, tell me what you see Tell me what you see, it's the din- dynasty Diagnostic, popped it, now your team is the topic Aton and Stompy as a team, they're unstoppable bowl, All bold, but no bold, they just roll in a roll That I'm told, a bold to a cockpit And I just hope there's no leaks yeah. I ain't changed my oil in weeks Yeah. How'd I get all lot of these stains on my seat? Yeah. Only mechanics that I trust cause it's free Yeah. Pop the hood, tell me what you see It's my dynasty team and it's got a couple needs Is it this? Is it that? Is it picks? Is it bad? Do I even have a chance? Do I got it in the bag? Let me know Pop the hood, tell me what you see Pop the hood, tell me what you see Pop the hood, tell me what you see me what you see, is the Danach Dynasty, Now nah. Pop the hood, tell me what you see, yeah. Pop the hood, tell me what you see, yeah. Pop the hood, tell me what you see, tell me what you see, it's the Dynac Dynasty, diagnostic, nasty, 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 nasty.